reading from Philippians chapter 1 verses uh, 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with their overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the Lord and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. I hope you're all well. Kate and I are a little bleary-eyed because we went to see Strictly Come Dancing last night. And uh, I had terrible nightmares at the thought of remembering Anne Widdicombe and Craig Revel Hallwood dancing across the dance floor last night. It was a ghastly sight. And one that I <laughs> take much therapy to get over, I'm sure. But it was a marvellous night. Anyway, we're continuing a mini-series on heart-building habits. Heart-building habits. It's a great theme for the start of the year. And today we're exploring another challenging theme. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. Well, that's what diet gurus tell us. And it makes you stop and think. Are we healthy, vibrant, happy people filled with the latest so-called superfoods? Or does our food really depict us as convenient, pre-packed, fatty and sugary, or even just a little, just a little, addicted to fast food? Take the TV series, built upon and even given its title by this concept, You Are What You Eat. You may have seen the show. You may avidly watch it. The show depicts... Uh, uh, Gillian McKeith, she's uh, the host, and she challenges out of shape members of the public to put down that chocolate eclair and pick up those pumpkin seeds. And the straight-talking nutritionist, that's a mouthful, scours the country to find more of Britain's worst eaters to sample a taste of her notorious tough love approach to diet and nutrition. Gillian even takes on, nowadays, unsuspect poor, I should hasten to add, unsuspecting people who've been secretly nominated by their so-called friends or family, (laughs) hoping to get their loved ones, get this, to dump the junk. That's channel four, four words, not mine. 
Terrible, aren't they? In series three, Gillian McKeith, she met a 29-year-old guy called John Harrison, who at six foot six inches and 27 stone was the biggest man she'd ever tried to help. And in each programme, just as with John, Gillian takes an up-close and very personal, very, very personal, too personal probably, look at what their food is doing to their body before putting them on a new regime to transform the way they look and feel in just eight weeks. As if it's just going to change their lives forever. It might change their lives in some respects, mightn't it? But you are what you eat makes an important point. That our food has a powerful effect on our appearance, our health and our well-being. This reminds me of the unfortunate notice included once in a church notice sheet. And it went like this. Would those attending Weight Watchers on Tuesday evening please use the large double doors at the rear of church? (laughs) Not very sensitive, was it? (laughs) But good fun. But what if the idea that you are what you eat also holds important spiritual meaning for Christians? The idea that the spiritual food we take on board has a powerful effect on our state of mind, our attitudes, our behaviour, relationships, work, relaxation, health and well-being. In short, every aspect of our lives. It stands to reason. As Christians, as a church, are we healthy, vibrant, hopeful, believing, loving, prayerful people filled with God's spiritual superfoods? Or does our spiritual diet show us to be undernourished and over-reliant on convenient, pre-packed, stodgy, spiritual fast food at best? And I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself with these questions today, not because I want to shame us because of what we're not doing or what we are doing that could be better, but because God wants us to be healthy. And he wants us to be living on a good and wholesome spiritual diet. God gives good, nutritious spiritual food to nourish, fuel and feed every area of our lives so that we're Christians who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Do you feel like that, really? At the start of this year, 2011? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Maybe, maybe not. Well, just as Gillian McKeith encourages others to assess their food aspects of their lifestyle, I'm standing here today encouraging us all to evaluate our spiritual diet for one simple reason. You are what you eat. So, moving on to the Bible passage then, Philippians chapter 1. This includes a passionate and moving prayer from Paul. Paul's heartfelt desire is to see his friends in Philippi, but his present circumstances, of course, prevent him. And he hints at this in the passage we heard near the beginning of the chapter. He's in prison, or in chains, as Paul describes it. And he's in prison for doing what Paul does, supporting the gospel, defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what Paul can do is to pray for his friends. And this provides, in turn, an outlet 
for his feelings and his emotions and his longings for his friends. He wants to see them move on in their spiritual life. And so he prays this prayer. Paul prays that the love of his friends will develop and increase and grow in knowledge and depth of insight. And you'll see this in verse 9 of that chapter. Now, of course, Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi. But his words are just as important for his friends here in Christ Church today. Because as followers of Christ, Paul would count us as his friends. Now, Paul uses the term knowledge. Knowledge, of course, makes us think of grasping some spiritual truths in our mind and in our thinking. But the Bible has an altogether different idea of what it is to know God. It's about knowing God intimately as a person through the ways that he interacts with us, the ways that he makes his presence felt, the ways that he makes his presence known to us. Just like we might know some factual details about uh, somebody that we know, say, oh, just off the top of my head, David Rout. You know, that's his year of birth, 1903. Or <laughs> his favourite food, his height, inside leg measurement, shoe size. But we know David much better than that, don't we? Because we've experienced his teasing and his care and his sense of humour. Our knowledge is deeper because we've interacted with David. Or if you imagine other people that you've interacted with, you know them much better and you love them all the more for that interaction. But it's just the same with God. Interact with God and you'll get to know him more intimately. You'll get to know him, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But of course, to get to know somebody better requires space and time. For relationships to be strong and healthy, we need quality time. Just as our relationships with our friends and our family require quality time, so does our relationship with God. Interact with God a little and we'll receive the equivalent of fast food, a quick fix, a small bite, nothing more than a spiritual snack, not very satisfying. Like a McDonald's burger. Ugh. It fills you up for a short time and then, not long after, you're running on empty all over again. But make space to enjoy God and for him to enjoy time with you and we'll be able to experience the equivalent of a wonderfully varied and nutritious dinner together. You may have noticed, you may have seen the advertising that uh, Marks and Spencers are promoting uh, a range of food at the moment and it's called this, feel fuller for longer. Feel fuller for longer. This is what God wants for us in our spiritual lives. To feel fuller for longer. To be satisfied with all the good things that he has for us. But of course, as I say, we need to make time and space for this to happen. Paul says that our love for God and each other is fueled not just by experiencing God and interacting with him, but by knowing him through the things that we receive from him. We know him through the good food that he feeds us with. 
And how do we receive from him? Well, Paul gives us a very clear hint in this passage. It's very simple. By putting our faith in God. Putting our faith in God. That's when we receive from him. When we do this, each and every moment of every day, when we put our trust in God, God promises to feed us with good things. Strength to get through the day. The peace to overcome stress at work. The patience we need with our children. The affection to love the more difficult people in our lives. The hope to believe that good can come out of difficult situations. The confidence to trust God fully with every bit and aspect of our lives. The gifts to share with others. And of course, the calling to serve him in his church, which is something that every single Christian is expected to do. It's no wonder, is it, that Paul made this the prayer for his friends. But Paul also prays, more than this, that the love of his friends will develop in wisdom or depth of insight. And you can see that again in verse 9. He's hoping that our love for God and our love for each other will direct us more and more to know right from wrong, good choices from bad choices, wise moves from foolish moves. Paul is praying that love will inspire us to choose, choose a healthy lifestyle, good, wholesome decisions that will influence our lives for the better, not choices that will make our lives more difficult and the lives of those we share our life with more difficult, which is so easily the case, isn't it, if we're truly honest? We make choices like this all the time. Well, I do, and I hope I'm not alone at that. Paul is praying this. But more than this, again, this means that having a healthy diet for the things that we choose to feed our minds, bodies, and our hearts. And this is an active decision. Just as we might have decided that enough's enough after Christmas, enough indulgence, enough treats, enough rich food, I can't take anymore. I've got to do something about it. I've got to get back to a healthier lifestyle in terms of food. We can do exactly the same in the choices that we make in our lifestyle as Christians. And we don't need to wait for things to get out of hand before we start putting some good things into practice. Before Christmas, Kate and I joined a gym and we promised each other that we would return to our normal healthy diet in the new year. Because we knew once Christmas and the new year were over that we'd, we would have had enough and we would need to get back into shape. And so we joined this gym. And of course we wanted to be prepared for this. And that's been fantastic for that because we've just gone naturally into the gym and been really up for it and very enthusiastic first thing in the morning to get out of bed and to go to the gym before we start work. Well, almost. And of course we wanted to take advantage of the great price offer before Christmas to save ourselves some money. But being prepared was the key. Developing love that inspires good choices through the good things we receive from God will help us in turn to be prepared for all eventualities. And let's face it, we never know what's round the corner, do we? We never know. A lifestyle that produces this quality of love 
Paul tells us results in two things. And he tells us this in verse 10. Firstly, the ability to endorse what is best and excellent in life. And secondly, to be pure and blameless in how we live our lives. In other words, these are the fruits that we should expect from a healthy lifestyle as Christians. These are the signs of vibrancy and health that we should expect to see in one another. And these, very importantly, are the things that we should pray for in one another. But there's another product of this loving lifestyle which is fueled by knowing God more and making good choices in life. And this comes in verse 11. Paul tells his friends that his prayer is to see them filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ so that we can give praise and glory to God. Now, as far as I understand it, you can't go wrong with fruit, as long as you're not allergic to it, of course. Dietitians say that you can snack as much as you like on fruit, although you have to go easy on the apricots. But by actively looking to know God more intimately, to be fed with the good things he has for us, to build a lifestyle on good choices, will ultimately result in being filled with fruit. The fruit of righteousness. The fruit of being right with God. The fruit of having a good relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Do you and I want this? Do you want to have a good relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Well, yes, you do. Wonders. Thank you so much. Because if you do, I promise you, it's the first step in having a very healthy spiritual lifestyle. And if you do, like me, you want to have this kind of lifestyle, then there are certain things that we can do, that we can begin to put into practice that will help us to achieve it. And let's run through these before we finish. Number one then, acting on it. We can make Paul's prayer a prayer that we pray for one another. Why not highlight this prayer? It's verses 9 to 11 in Philippians chapter 1. Why not highlight it? Put a circle around it, highlight it with a highlighter pen, copy it out, pin it to your fridge or your kitchen cupboard door, whatever it is. Put it on your phone screensaver and then pray it regularly for your friends here at Christchurch. Be honest, when was the last time you prayed a prayer like this? Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? I can't remember the last time I prayed a prayer really like this. It's very important that we pray for each other. Secondly then, number two, acknowledge that you are what you eat. If you feel out of shape in your life of faith, spiritually flabby or breathless or lethargic, then maybe we need to recognise that this is partly due to the lifestyle choices we've made and the type and the amount of spiritual food we've been taking on board. And if this is true for us as individuals, then it's also true for us as a church. If we recognise what state we're in spiritually, 
as a church community, if we're honest about this, then the first step to a healthier lifestyle is acknowledging that what we've done or what we've not done over the years has made us who we are today. And it's quite a sobering thought, actually. If we were to be honest about the weaknesses we know that we have in our church community, those areas that we need to improve on, I think the first step that we need to take is to acknowledge some of the things that have contributed to that over the years. Some of the things that we've done as individuals that have contributed to that, as well as what we've done collectively. We need to acknowledge that and be honest and gracious enough to be honest about it. Thirdly then, we need to take practical steps to get to know God better. To know God and to be known by God. To know God intimately. I encourage you, read your Bible. Feed on God's word. Listen to Christian music. Go for a walk and pray in the country. Pray with your friends. Ask members of the church family here to pray with you. Read a good book about following Jesus, being a Christian disciple. Number four. Put your faith in God. Every moment of every day. So that you can receive the good things that God wants to give us. And I encourage us all to do this, whether we're in a good place or a not so good place. For us all to be open and ask God for the things that he promises us. Number five, we can pray that we're able to build a healthy lifestyle on good choices. Ask God to increase our love for him and each other so that we're more able to see the best in each other and to be blameless and pure in how we go about things. And number six, and I want to dwell on this last one a little while, because it's very, very important. Commit to give and receive healthy spiritual food in church. I want to encourage us, myself included, not just to be a community of takers, where we come and we expect wonderful food from God, in Christchurch and all the activities that we undertake. That we come looking for opportunities to give spiritual food to other people. Opportunities to share the good things that we've been given with other people. It's a very important part of being a community. It's not simply somebody else's responsibility to provide spiritual food. One of the ways that we can give and receive spiritual food is by gathering as a church on Sundays like we have today in our services. This will be a priority. But so too will finding wholesome food through home groups. These will be a place where we can go deeper with God and each other. Where we can look to encourage one another in our lives of faith. And home groups will become increasingly important in the life of the church, not just here in Christchurch, but across this country. There'll be a place where we can really be in community in ways that we couldn't in a large group like this. Number three, <clears throat> the times we pray together will be essential to our health as a church as we look to receive from God and be fed and fueled 
with the good things that he's got for us. And that's why we've got our weekly prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning, weekly morning prayer, and why we're launching our prayer event one this evening at seven o'clock. I really do hope you can make that a priority as we seek to pray together. Number four, we can explore new ways to connect with God as church. As we acknowledge and recognise that we're diverse and very different people who engage with God and the world in different ways. And it will be important for us as a church to look to meet people where they are at so we can help them engage with God right there in that place. One of the ways that we're doing that at the moment is through Messy Church. And it's absolutely wonderful to see that expression of our church life really flourish and grow. We had a wonderful time together on Wednesday evening. And Emma's leading the team brilliantly. But one of the ways that we can look to give good spiritual food to other people is through Messy Church. So if you've got anything good to give, and you've got the time to give it, then one of the ways you could do that is by joining the Messy Church team. be a wonderful thing to do. And just as God looks to feed and fuel our lives of faith, therefore we should look to feed and fuel the lives of others, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And this is, this is the missionary life of Christ Church. The wonderful thing about our church, one of the wonderful things, is that the people of our church go out to so many places, don't we? And we engage with so many people during the week through our jobs and our friendships and our hobbies. And it's important that we commit to giving and receiving spiritual food in those areas of our lives too. We look for opportunities to share those good things that God has given us. And these points, I think, are so crucially important for us as a church as we look to give and receive healthy, wholesome, spiritual food. I hope we can all begin to take them on board. And so to finish, I want to ask you a question. Which of these action points are we going to begin to put into practice today? Because believe it or not, I know I'm paid to be here, but I don't say these words for my own health. I say them for the health of us all. And I want us to go away today firmly resolved to do something about at least one of those things that I've highlighted today. So have a think. What is it that you're going to do today? And as you think, I'm going to finish with a prayer. Let's pray. So this is my prayer, that our love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that we may be able to, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.
This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, all I have within me, I give you. Praise all that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. This is my desire to honor you. I worship you All I have within me I give you praise All that I adore is in you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord have your way. going to have a chance to continue to respond for a few minutes now to what um, Tim has spoken to us about. We've got a time of prayer and the music's going to continue and those action points are going to come up on the screen and just really encourage you just to be reminded the beginning of that wonderful passage was that the promise that what God has begun in us, he will carry on to completion. And that's the promise in which we stand, and that's the promise by which we can pray now. But for each one of us, there might be things that we just need to offer to God. We think about that healthy spiritual diet, longing for more of God's love. There might be situations in the lives of others that we know about that we want to bring to God. Situations in our community, 
in our town, in our country, in our world. So I'd encourage you now, pray quietly on your own. If you're sitting next to somebody who you feel comfortable to pray with, please do that if you'd rather, but don't feel you have to. And the music will continue as we do that.